enabled us to speak. The power of the tongue, what our words can do, the problem with the tongue. And then we want to look at the solution to the problem with our tongue. So hopefully we'll get through all of this this morning. If not, then we'll look at some of it next week again because it is quite a, quite a large portion of Scripture that we are going to be looking at. So if you've got your Bibles, won't you turn to James chapter 3, and we're going to read from verse 1 to 12. James 3, verse 1 to 12. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouth of horses, sorry, we put bits in the mouths of horses to make them obey, we can turn the whole animal, or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants them to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praising and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brother and sister, can a fig tree bear olives and a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. So if we take a look here at what James is saying, he's basically saying we're in trouble. It seems like we have a massive problem with our tongue. And it seems like what he's saying here for us to be in control of our tongues, we have to be perfect which we know we cannot be. He also says that our tongue sets things on fire by what we say, and, and we know that. All of us here have been in arguments. All of us here have said things that has set in motion a fire. And we've said things that we wished we'd never said. And then he goes on to say that with the tongue we praise the Lord, but we also curse our brothers and sisters who have been made in the image of Jesus Christ. And he's saying it shouldn't be this way. Well, if it should not be and it can't be controlled, then what is the solution? 
He says both fresh water and salt water can't flow out of the same stream. And this morning, just as I was sitting in my office thinking of this, it's like he has this beautiful stream of fresh water, but you've got a sewerage pipe running into it. And that sewerage water is going to contaminate that stream of beautiful water. And it's going to render that water unusable. And if we've got dirty water running into us, that fresh water is going to be contaminated and it's going to be of no use. So looking at what James is saying, it, it looks like he's saying this problem is insurmountable. It's just so big. There's no way around it. We're stuck with this problem of our tongue. And this tongue that starts fires all over the world. But I'd like us just to take a step back. And I hope you see where I'm going with this. So we're going to take a bit of a deviation and then we'll come back. So if you go to James chapter 2, and we're going to look at verse 14, he starts to speak about faith and deeds. And what he's saying here is that to have faith, and have faith that does not change us, that is not biblical faith. You see, because to have biblical faith, that faith is going to change us. Jesus said it this way. And this, he, he's speaking of a wise and a foolish builder. He says, those who hear my words and put them into practice. You see, we can't just hear the words and not do anything with them, but we need to take the words that we hear and put them into practice. So faith comes by hearing. So as we hear the word of God, faith starts to rise up inside of us. But the other side of it is also true. If we are hearing the words of the world, we're hearing all the negative stuff of the world, and that's all flowing into us, then that stuff is going to flow out of us. And Jesus is saying you can't have both. It's one or the other. Real biblical faith will express itself or manifest itself or reveal itself through our actions, through our behavior. And this is what James is actually writing about. He's saying that faith without works is dead. He's not saying that faith alone is good enough. He's saying that you have that, sorry, he's saying that if you have faith alone, but it does not change your life, then it's not true biblical faith. True biblical faith will change the way that we live our lives. The Bible says to us that a tree will be known by its fruit. If we call ourselves Christians, then people better see us as children of God. What comes out of our mouth needs to be 
what is in the Word of God. So let's have a look at James 2, verse 14 to 17. What good is it, my brother and sister, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily, sorry, without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by actions, is dead. James 2 verse 22 and here he is talking about Abraham, and how Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. So in James 2 verse 22, he says, you see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. So it's, he's saying that just having faith is not enough. There needs to be actions to accompany your faith. So a person is justified by what he does, not by faith alone. So true biblical faith expresses itself through behavior. Okay, so that was the one deviation. Now we're going in the other direction, and then we'll bring the two together. So if you ever look through the book of James, you'll see to a large extent the book of James has to do with our heart, the issues of the heart, and how the issues of the heart affect our behavior and our actions. Both faith and obedience are issues of the heart. So if you've got to go and look in... Um, In the Bible dictionaries, on the definition of the heart, it gives a whole lot of different definitions, and I want to read through some of those definitions this morning. Some say that the heart is the center of not only spiritual activity, but of all operations of human life that coincides, and sorry, that will coincide with Proverbs 4. If you go and read that, you'll see it coincides with that. The heart is mentioned over a thousand times in the Bible. So I'd say that Jesus is trying to tell us something about our hearts. So another definition of the heart. It is a composition of all three components of our soul, our mind, our emotions, and our will. Plus the most important part of our spirit, our conscience. Others say that the term stands for the inner part of a person and refers to our will, our mind, our conscience, our emotions, and our understanding. It also refers to a person's moral character and determination. Furthermore, the heart is the place of knowledge, of memory, and reflection. Those processes take place in the brain. It is the driving force behind our character our decisions, our words, our deeds, and it is the seat of all our affections. So the, the problem lies with our heart. And we're going to look at that this morning. So 
So our heart is what determines our behavior. And our heart is what determines what our tongue will speak. You see, our heart is like the filter. And what goes through our heart, the mouth will speak. And if our heart's filter is not working very well, you know, mine doesn't work very well most of the time, rubbish is going to come out. But when the filter is working well, good things are going to come out of us. So it all comes down to heart issues. It's out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth is going to speak. When we understand this, then we can understand what James is trying to say under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit about our tongues. That while we can't control our tongues, God is wanting to focus on the real problem. And the real problem is our heart. So he's saying if we get our heart sorted out, then our tongues will be sorted out. But the minute or while our hearts are still in a bad place, then what is coming out of our mouth is going to be bad. It's not going to produce the God kind of life that God wants. So while we cannot control our tongue, God can work on our heart. And then what comes out of our mouth is going to be good. So we want to have a look at some scriptures this morning on the heart. Proverbs 4, verse 20 to 27. It says, My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them in your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to one's body. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far away from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths your feet. Sorry, give careful thought to the paths for your feet. And be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left, but keep your foot from evil. See, he's speaking about the heart. And then he's speaking about the lips and about our eyes and about the way that we walk. And he says it all has to do with the heart. Then in Proverbs 15 verse 7, it says, The lips of the wise spread knowledge, but the heart of the fools are not upright. Psalm 19, verse 14. May these, yeah, sorry, may these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Lord, my rock and my redeemer. See, it's the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart. What are we meditating on? Because if we are meditating on the wrong stuff, it goes through our heart and then it gets spoken by the words that come out of our mouth. Matthew 15, verse 18 to 20. But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart. 
See, again, he's saying that it's what is in the heart is going to come out of our mouths. And these defile them, for out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person. Luke 6, verse 43, says, No tree bears bad fruit. Sorry, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick fig, sorry, people do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And then the last scripture here is Psalm 15, verse 1 to 5. Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent? Who may live on your holy mountain? The one, sorry, the one whose walk is blameless, who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from their heart, whose tongue utters no slander, who does no wrong to a neighbor and casts no slur on others who despises a vile person but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps an oath even when it hurts and does not change their mind, who lends money to the poor without interest, who does not accept a bribe against the, inno sorry, against the innocent. Whoever does these things will never be shaken. But especially that verse 2 there, the one whose walk is blameless, who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from his heart. Do you see it's to do with the heart and the mouth? The heart and all the members of our body are so closely intertwined with each other. And it's from the heart that all these actions take place. So if there's evil in our heart, the mouth is going to speak evil. If the things of God are in our heart, then the mouth is going to speak the things of God. And so let's have a look at some of the purposes of why God gave us speech. And in James chapter 3, verse 1, we see some of the reasons why God gave us speech. He says, Not many of you should be teachers, my fellow brothers, my fellow believers. Because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. So part of the reason that God gave us speech was so that we could teach. You see, God wants us to take the word that we have received by faith. And he wants us to go and teach it to others. That word is not just for us to keep inside of us. And let it rot inside of us. No, God wants us to take what he's given us. And go and share the good news with other people so that they can hear the word of God. It refers to the spoken ministry that comes from the Holy Spirit. It includes preaching and teaching and prophesying and counseling. You see, so God has given us a mouth to go and preach, to go and 
minister to others, to counsel others, to help others. And if what is in our heart is rubbish, then when we counsel people or when we preach or try and help others, that rubbish is going to come out. And I think in the church, that's why so many people are bent and twisted and so many people are grumbling because the people they hang around with have a heart that is full of that rubbish. And that rubbish infects them. Instead of them speaking the word of God, instead of encouraging one another, speaking the truth in love. When we do that, it's going to affect the people around us and they are going to start speaking the goodness of God. We're to use our tongue from the point of view of God's purpose for building people up. The tongue is not there to break people down. God didn't give us our tongue to break people down, but to build people up. And he says to us that if you are a teacher and you are teaching people that you're going to be judged more strictly. And so what he's talking about here is our motives. Why will we ju be judged more strictly? Because if we've got rubbish coming out of our mouths and we are infecting others with the rubbish, God is going to judge us. He's going to say, look at what you taught that person. You've taught them a whole lot of nonsense. And now they've believed you. So we don't have to be afraid of teaching, but we need to be making sure that what we teach comes from the Word of God and not from our own understanding and not from what rubbish we've collected in our heart. We need to be speaking the Word of God. Then we don't have to be worried about teaching because what we teach will bear good fruit. Motives are in the heart, truth and error. Is my motive love, wisdom, concern when I speak? Or is it just to win an argument? And I must say that's so sad. Even as pastors, we get caught up in this. That we just want to win an argument to the detriment of the other person. I want to be proved right. And I want you to know that you are wrong. That's not the way God wants it to be. We need to be motivated by love, by truth and wisdom. Psalm 37, verse 30 to 31 says, The mouth of the righteous utter wisdom, and their tongue speaks what is just. The law of their God is in their hearts, and their feet do not slip. The Bible says we are to teach, we are to admonish, we are to sing to one another. In Colossians 3, verse 16 to 17, it says, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with the wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. 
Do you see, that's one of the reasons why God has given us speech, is so that we can teach. Secondly, it's to preach. What do we preach? The good news of the gospel of Jesus. We preach to the whole world, to every nation, tongue, and tribe. Why? Because we want to reach all of these people for the sake of the gospel. We don't only want to preach to the people in our town, but we want everybody in the world to know this gospel of Jesus. And that's why God has given us this voice. In Mark 16, verse 15 to 16, he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel. To all creation, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but who, who does not believe will be condemned. So the lasting solution to the world's problems is for us to take this gospel and preach the good news. Not regurgitate what the world is selling us, but to preach the good news of the gospel. And I wonder sometimes how often we still believe this, that we need to go and preach the good news of the gospel. Because many of us are not being obedient to going and preaching. And so that's why I want to encourage you, go on this trip, this ministry trip to Kwakwa. You don't need a passport to go on that trip. But go. You will be blessed and you will bless the people of Kwakwa. Don't they have churches there? Yes, they do. But in your going, they will be blessed. And so go along. Don't put your name down and ask Tony where you can get involved. How can you help? This good news of the gospel, we are going to preach it until the day Jesus comes to take us home. It's not just for now, for you on a Sunday. It's for us to take out into the world because the world needs to hear this good news. Never say, I've tried it and it doesn't work. I want to say to you, it does work. The power of the gospel is still powerful. It has not lost its power. It's still changing people's lives today. We may not see as much of it happening right now as we want to see, but can I tell you, in countries where the people are under persecution, the gospel is spreading like wildfire. Jesus is making himself known to those people, and they, they, their lives are being changed. So this gospel has not lost its power. It still has the power to save. And we need to take it and speak it for people to hear. You see, many of us, myself included, are saying that we believe that Jesus is coming back soon. And I do believe it. But you see, there's something in the Gospels that is very important, that if we want to see Jesus come back, that has to happen first. And it's found in Matthew 24, verse 14. And it says, And this Gospel of the Kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, 
Did you hear that? It's to all nations, and then only will the end come. So while there are still nations that have not heard the word of God, Jesus is not coming back. So we've got work to do to take this gospel to all nations. This tongue needs to be used for many other things that I'm not going to get into right now. I'm going to stop here where I am now. But church, if our heart attitude is wrong, or if our heart is not in a good place, then we're going to have a big problem with our tongue. And like James says, it's going to look like this problem is insurmountable. That we cannot control it. But when our heart is in a good place, then you can control your tongue. And what is going to come out is going to bring glory and honor to our Heavenly Father. So if you have a problem with your heart this morning, because of something that's happened in your life, can I say make right? Make your heart right. Get it back in the place where Jesus wants it. Let him come and pour out that refreshing water on your heart so that new life can come back into that body again. When we've been in a place of grumbling, when we've been in a place of fighting with everybody, the life of God leaves us. And there's a heaviness that comes and rests upon us. And it drains the life out of us. And that's not what God intended for us. So let's allow him to bring new life into us. So that new life can flow out of us once again. Can we pray? Father, I ask that you will forgive us this morning. Where we have allowed the rubbish of this world to flow into our hearts. Where we have allowed the things of this world to consume our hearts. What is going on in our country to consume our hearts. Father, I pray that we will be consumed by what your word has to say. That as your word enters our life, that, Father, faith will rise up and cause us to take action and go and do something with the faith that you have given us. And so, Father, I pray that you'll forgive us for allowing this rubbish into our lives. And causing it to contaminate our bodies. Causing it to contaminate our speech. I pray that, Father, you will come and that you will bring those springs of living water. Let them flow into our hearts. And let the life of God once again be produced in us. So that it will come out of us by the words that we speak. Lord, where we've spoken rubbish into other people's lives, where we've judged other people, where 
where we've just wanted to get our own way, forgive us. And I pray that the nature of God will be found inside of us. And that our faith will be seen by our actions. I pray that the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart, that it will be pleasing to you, Father. Lord Jesus, I pray that today we will make right with you. Where there might be unforgiveness in our heart, resentment in our heart, let us lay it down so that springs of living water can flow out of us. I ask this in your wonderful and precious name, Jesus. If you've come into this place this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you can't ever remember a time when you surrendered your will to the will of the Father. At the end of this meeting, won't you come and speak to myself or to one of the other leaders? And we'd just love to show you what it means to be a child of God, how you can become a child of God, how you don't have to continue living the way that you've been living. Even for those who are here this morning and you feel that your life is in a backslidden state, and you want someone to pray with you, come forward at the end of the meeting and we'd love to just pray with you so that God can change your life, so that you can once again walk in victory, knowing that you are a child of God. So Father, I thank you for these wonderful people. I pray that you bless them in their coming and in their going. And that the love of God will just consume them. That, Father, wherever they go, people will see the love of God in them. I ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.